0: All right, before we start the podcast today, we have to talk to our special weekly guest, Jacob Tutai. Hey. Well, hey, how you doing?
1: Thank you, Holly O'Connor, the best radio personality out there on the radio and you too, Miguel. Oh,
0: well, well do technically. you technically yeah, do you know any of the news, Jacob?
1: Yes, I do, 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 I do. But do you want to go ahead and spill it to me on the podcast now so I can know later on, just in case if I didn't get it?
2: He said, why don't you remind me?
0: Jacob, we are Best Local Morning Show in Tampa Bay!
1: You called it! Congratulations, guys, especially... Congratulations, guys, especially you, Holly. You have won the best friend award from me. Oh, you know why? Gosh. Because you're so sweet and so awesome, and I just love you so much, Holly. Oh.
2: Well, dang it, Jacob. Way to make me tear up at the early hours. Oh, that's so
1: sweet. Thank you so
2: much, Jacob. That means a lot.
1: I voted for you a lot, Holly. Do you remember me calling into the Drew Show when you were on it, Holly, and voting for you? So hopefully that helps. I do. Helped.
2: I hope. I hope so too.
0: I love it. Well, Jacob, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We couldn't have done it without you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We mm-hmm. appreciate it. And I
1: and I couldn't. And I and I can't make it through my mornings without you guys. Hmm. Mm. Now that drawing are from 6 to 10 and my soda time is at 10.30 now. Can you believe that? Oh, wow.
2: Wow! So at least you don't have to miss any of the show while it's soda time.
1: Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Whatever, Holly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, Jacob, tell everybody what podcast they are listening to.
1: They are listening to the award-winning Best Radio Personality Holly O'Connor Podcast featuring the best radio personality Miguel Fuller and Little John on Hot 101.5 The reason why I didn't call him Sky that now is because he said, oh, carry on on the podcast. Do you remember that,
2: Best memory in the biz, right here. Unscripted.
0: Unshackled. Uncouth. What you're about
3: to hear is for mature ears only.
0: It's Miguel Fuller. I would show anything. I'd show my hee-hee and my hoo-hoo and my ha-ha. ha (laughs) ha Holly O'Connor.
2: Hey, Daddy, you want to take this to the bench?
4: <laughs> and Scotty the Body. I am officially not only the grill daddy, but I'm a hot grill daddy. Oh, wow. This is the Miguel and
1: Holly Uncensored Podcast.
4: Only from Hot 101.5, Tampa Bay's new hip
0: music. Thank you so much, Jacob, two times. So sweet. Mm,
2: absolutely.
0: But yes, we won some awards
2: hey
0: um best local morning show yes i got radio personality we got scott as up and coming radio personality hot 1015, best radio station in tampa bay voted on by you yep and to me the one that i actually got the most emotional about was the podcast
2: yeah we don't we don't promote it in that light.
0: No, no. And we've had like, well, our boss and higher ups have said that, you know, we should sort of repurpose some of the podcasts and play it on the air. But it's like the conversations we have are so fluid. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, the to me, the beauty of this outside of what we do on the air is the fact that. When I open up the microphones, like I have a couple of things in mind that we talk about. And then usually we only get to one because (laughs) it just sort of winds and twists and we get to think. And on the air, we got to be super fast and you got to know what you're saying. And
2: there's not time for extraneous, uh, you know, talking points.
0: No, no. And so to me, that is what made me emotional because as I was because I had to go to the Hard Rock on Thursday night to pick up the awards, and we didn't know exactly which ones we won. I didn't even know if we won first place or anything. Yeah. It could have just possibly been we got second or third place. And so as I was walking back to my car in the Hard Rock, and I was walking through and seeing all the people there, and I just thought how cool that in the five years we've been here and the two and a half years that Scott's been on the show, We've built this community of people that are sort of like the outliers. Mm. We are the people that may not feel like we belong to anything or anywhere. And this community has become that. And that, to me, was representative winning this award and saying that it's okay to be different. You don't have to be a certain way. You don't have to do a certain type of podcast because that is what always is my worst enemy is I always look at what other shows are doing and, you know, just making sure that we're always on point with our branding or what we're talking well, about and or what we're offering.
2: To you kind of pull back the curtain a little bit, you know, we go to something called Morning Show Boot Camp, which is like, you know, radio school for morning shows. And um, in the past few years, obviously they – meaning the people who host the panels and the people that put it together, have noticed that podcasting is kind of like the next big thing. Uh, yeah. So they have um, sessions about podcasting, mm-hmm. and they're trying to turn all these radio hosts into podcasters, and they're like, if you're not podcasting, what are you doing? And this is how you do it. You find something niche to talk about, and then you do it. So if, like, if this one guy on your show likes fly fishing, you better have a fly fishing podcast. Right. Or if this one has something that they want to do cooking, that's what you do. It can't just be more talking. Like, remember, they said that. Oh,
0: absolutely. And so we
2: were like, okay, well, we do a podcast, mm-hmm. but it's definitely just talking. It's
0: just, and that's how we've, Miguel and Holly Uncensored started that way back in 2015, because we could only talk for two minutes at a time when we first started on the air. And we were like, girl, we're too much talkers. We need another outlet to be able to just get stuff off our chest. And then in the quarantine, we took it to daily and you listening have really just taken it and, and made it into this whole new animal, a part of what we offer. And the fact that you took the time to vote out of all the people that produce podcasts here in Tampa Bay. And there are some really good ones yeah, out there. there.
2: Absolutely.
0: I just, we want to say thank you. Mm-hmm. It's literally never lost on us that you choose to listen. And I think about, I listened probably to about... 10 podcasts that I like I kind of go there's like three that are like newsy that I listen to and then there are other ones that are kind of pop culture that I kind of pop in and pop out depending upon the week Mm -hmm. and the fact that you all daily choose to listen to this or weekly whenever we have one that means the world to us so thank you
2: right it absolutely does and you actually took the time to go vote so platypus fam you got it
4: Scott I mean biggest thank you it's just It's pretty – because, again, like you said, like there's so many options and the fact that it's like you don't feel like you're doing a thing until you're doing the thing, and like that award kind of shows it's like, oh, my gosh, it's bigger than just this room. A lot of the times it's very hard to like put myself in shoes of like people listen because Mm. for a lot of the time I'm just like, oh, okay, it's just us talking in a room. Hopefully someone listens out there. But then when you see that and you're like, wow, like that fam is bigger than we could even imagine, and with honestly, without you listening – supporting, sharing, telling your friends about it, like, we don't go anywhere with it. So, honestly, like, thank you for just being there and watching us go through this from the ups to the downs mm-hmm. and everywhere in between. So, thank you.
0: And we'll continue to do so. Uh, so, you want to go ahead and get him on the phone? Oh, yeah. So, we're going to have a conversation here because... No,
2: I'm actually excited about this. I am.
0: I am. Um, We, on the last podcast, it was like, the night or the day after the debates and we were raw of emotion like the country. And basically what we've been saying on this podcast, whenever we do wade into the waters of politics is if you are conservative, help us understand where you're coming from. This isn't a debate. We're not here to go like tit for tat to say, well, Joe Biden said this or Trump said this. We're not doing that because I'm not. You know, Joe Biden's record keeper. I don't know. I can't sit here and quote all the things he've do- he's done. I just want to understand if you're voting for Trump, why?
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: and so that's what we're doing.
2: Also, it- and I want to make it clear that this isn't going to turn into like a we're trying to sway someone. No. One way or the other. Right. Like that's I think that's a concern because then it was brought to my attention in an email that was like maybe the reason that we're not getting any conservatives is because they feel like they're already on the defensive Mm. against people that are trying to sway them the other way or they have to like, you know, stand and deliver and sway us. Right. And that it's not
0: that. No, this isn't anybody swaying anyone. This is just everybody just having a discussion because this is what we need to learn in our country is we have to be able to have these conversations and not shy away from them. But we have to understand that these are also other Americans who just believe differently. Um, And as long as it's not like hateful or it's not putting anyone down And we're just trying to understand each other because that will bring us together when because one of our people is going to be the president. And so we as a country, if we're ever going to start the process of trying to come together when we pick a new leader and this is now and, you know, continuing on, we got to learn to listen to each other. Mm. Now, Scott, who do we have on the phone?
4: This is Jake Hoffman. He is an old fraternity brother of mine, but I know he's like, you're the president of the like Tampa Bay Republican Society. Is that correct?
3: I, the, yeah, I'm the president of the Tampa Bay Young Republicans, and then um, also I was a delegate to the RNC this this year, and I've just kept myself very active in, in local Republican politics around the area.
4: Ooh, yeah, like nice. a big deal, and you have your own podcast because I've listened and I've watched your videos oh, nice. that you put out. What is your podcast titled?
3: Yeah, we have a, a show called Moderately Outraged. Um, we do a you know internet show once a week with a, a company called Conservative News Today. Um, so we, we reach a decent amount of people each week. It's something that we've been working on the past like three or four months. But yeah, we, we get on and, um, kind of give like a real, I like to call it like John Oliver show, but <laughs> it can lead to the right a little bit.
0: Right. Okay. Well, Jake, thank you so much for coming on with us because we've literally for the past few months been asking our audience desperately for someone conservative to come on with us. Um, and knowing that when we do talk about politics, I get very passionate because, it's very personal for me, as it should be for everyone. Um, and sure. so I oh, and I just want to set the table and say, and I don't know if you heard the beginning, is that this isn't a debate. We just want to understand where you're coming from. Sure.
2: Because most of, I mean, uh, the three of us are left-leaning, mm-hmm. and that's why mm-hmm. we really enjoy that you came on so that you can give that other perspective.
3: Now, yeah, it, it's really tough. It's something that, you know, I, I know that a lot of people struggle with. I mean, I do a lot of news interviews where, you know, the newscasters will tell me that, you know, conservative people do not want to be on radio. They don't want to be on TV. They don't want to go on camera talking about their views because they're going to get chastised. Mm. Um, so, you know, I know, it, I know it's a struggle to find people, but I'm, I'm always happy to have a conversation.
0: So first off, um, I want to ask, what did you think of the debates? How did you see... What happened between Donald Trump
3: and Joe Biden? Well, it was one of those things that there was a lot of excitement around it. We did a, a really big watch party for it, actually, up in, in New Tampa. And uh, we had a lot of people, probably about 100 people in the building all watching. And, and I will say that the energy was um, really – there was great energy at the beginning of the debate. And then as it kind of went on – and it's loud and people are talking over each other and the president's talking over Biden and Biden's talking over the president. Chris Wallace is talking over both of them. Um, you know, the the energy kind of decimated, I think, a little bit. It was one of those things where people were like, we're, we're not getting any sort of conversation. Um, we're not getting, you know, even when you're looking for, for zingers or good lines and, and things like that, um, th- those don't get to happen when you have a debate like you did the other night where, where people are, are not able to to even, you know, uh, express their opinions without being interrupted.
0: So how did you feel about how President Trump did? And let me also say this, because, listen, I'm not a professional journalist. And so if I ask a question that may feel like it's like it's a leading question forgive me because i'm not a trained journalist i'm just a american who's... but you should
2: know how to ask open-ended
0: questions right i, sh- I learned that <laughs> in college and radio broadcasting school but like so from my perspective you know i think that when you have a debate like that or when you're in this part of a campaign you want to try to bring people together and like show them what you can do in the next four years but from my perspective it didn't feel like that it felt like donald trump was just trying to attack 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 where it's like we literally didn't walk away with anything so as a trump supporter did you see it from that perspective or how did you see it
3: yeah well i i did you definitely the the messaging behind his campaign but i would say also joe biden's campaign is both of them are not necessarily trying to unify the country um you know the way that i view it is that like kind of like you said in maybe in years past and in you know maybe decades ago at this point in campaigns people were trying to unify the country but what i'm seeing out there is that there's less of a, a reach across the aisle this is from both sides uh, less of a reach across the aisle less of a reach for independence um a lot of people like that and really what they prefer to do is just rally the bases up um mm-hmm. you know they they that's happening in both sides of the party there they realized this was in 2016. Uh, that last election they there were so many people who sat out of it who just got disinterested in politics people who may have been bernie sanders supporters who are disenfranchised and they don't want to vote um and and people like that and so they found out that you know they can win elections if they just can rally more of their base up so if you can say things to bring your people out um that's what's going to end up winning this election And and unfortunately That doesn't necessarily mean it's the best rhetoric for the country um you know i'm I'm very openly critical about you know trump's rhetoric and and things like that despite the fact that i support him and i support you know the party and and a lot of the policies that come with it um you know that i I do understand that there's there's a danger to some of the the rhetoric
0: how do you feel about uh i'm trying to think about how to ask this without i mean obviously you know i'm not a, a objective journalist so from yeah, my for it, guys. okay. So uh, yeah, yeah. F- from my perspective, I feel like the office of the presidency is the highest office in the land and it should be treated with respect and when you are the president of the United States, you're president of all of us. And I I get the feeling from President Trump that that's not the case. It always just feels like it's yeah attack and it's it's negative and it's never let's bring people Let's not even try to bring people t- together do you feel that as a trump supporter or do you even care that he's not trying to do that
3: so i i'd like to hear unified messaging um to try and bring the country together when things are bad but but what i will say in his defense is that this is somebody who has every single media outlet um basically in the country, I would say 90% of journalists are against this guy, right? So every day you wake up and you have just people attacking and attacking and attacking you, um, you know, spreading spreading false news about you, all of those types of things that he's talking about, those are very real. And so while you may be the president and you may, you know, you should be above, um, you know, talking back to some of these people or tweeting at these people, um, you know, it's, everybody's still human. And, and to come out with an entire country that has you, you know that you have fifty percent of the country behind you but it may not feel like you have fifty percent of the country behind you because you have a, a media arm that is constantly attacking you so I, I think that from from his perspective and, and kind of my perspective is that the, some of the attacks are justified some of the you know the the rhetoric is justified but but again at the end of the day the, the way that I like to look at it is what what is being done in this country? What is what is the actual policy that's being put in? And I know that that starts to get to a very technical political conversation, um, but but that's that's what I have to look at as as a Trump supporter. Is I I kind of take the, take the rhetoric in its own box. I take the tweeting in its own box, and I. I have to put it over here and separate it from the policy that's been pushed through. And we've had a lot of really good policy go through, despite if, you, if you look past the, the, the words that are said out loud.
2: OK, so that's going to be my question. So as far as the policy goes, and I know um, that, you know, a lot of Republicans probably are in your same shoes where, you know, maybe President Trump's actions, words, you're like, not my favorite thing, but I really like what he's done for the country. So help me out there because I that's where I fail a lot of times. So what are some of the things that he's done for the in the last four years that you say, yes, that's my stamp of approval. I like, uh, you know, this, that and the other. And this is why I like the direction that the country's going in.
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things and it's not talked about a lot. is is going to be the international influence. And I know that he gets a lot of flack for the way that he uh, interacts with the international community. But, um, you know, I'm Jewish, and when I see that, you know, what's going on in the Middle East right now, this is somebody who's gotten us out of almost every war that we have in the rest of the entire world. I mean, this is the first president in, I think, about 45 years that has not gotten us into a foreign conflict has not put us into a foreign war, and has actually brought troops home and things like that. And and because of that, I mean, that's why he was nominated for three Nobel Peace Prizes. And you have all of these uh, Arab nations who are out there um, making peace deals with Israel, and, and, and we, are, we are closer to peace in the Middle East than we have been in decades. Um, and it's uh, not, again, the media crushed him. They crushed his... Uh, you know, um, his, his uh, uh, son-in-law, uh, Jared Kushner, you know for for handling all those types of things. And you know, but what I'm seeing is um, real progress over there and, and world stability in that region. Now, when it comes to America and it comes to the things that are coming back here, there is a real push now, and I think that coronavirus is, is highlighting it. but we are seeing a massive push to bring manufacturing back to America, to bring product, back, products back to America. Um, especially in emergency services, right, too, because, you know, coronavirus highlighted that if our masks are made in China, if our medical equipment is all made in China, um, that's a problem. That's, that's a problem in the middle of a pandemic where we can't get emergency supplies in if, if ventilators are made in some other country that, that we can't bring it in because they cut off the supply chain. Um, you know, I, I, in speaking to that, you know, I'm I'm a business owner as well. And businesses and manufacturing and uh, um, sorry, the uh, the regulations that have been placed on small business owners in the past, a lot of those are being repealed and it makes our lives easier to come in and, and innovate and create and build jobs and, and cr- build up the economy that you saw before coronavirus hit. Those are all of the things that I'm really looking at from a policy standpoint that I look at and go, you know what, again, the rhetoric might be bad. People are not going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but overall, the policy that's being put being put into place is helping this country out.
2: So, as a small business owner, you would say that your business life has been better over. Well, I mean, you're young, obviously. I'm assuming, but like, if you could take a, a look back to like maybe the Obama administration, would you say for small business owners it was it's been better under Trump than it was under Obama?
3: So me personally, I run a digital media company. Everything I do is remote. I I was doing remote work before it was cool. And it was one of those things where under Obama, it was the same. Under Trump, it's been the same. Taxes are a little bit lower. That's great. Um, You know, things like payroll, making it easier to hire. um, Those types of things are are important to me. Uh, You know, I also fear for the future, right? And in the future, if we have things like $15 an hour minimum wage hikes, we have – you know, increased uh, payroll because of the fact that we have to add uh, expensive health care plans, things like that. that. That ends up with us not being able to hire employees and people like right out of college. Right. Like I hired, you know, Scott, I hired multiple people out of out of our fraternity at, at uh, USF when when I when they came out, because, you know, there's uh, an ability to do so at a low end. But when I hear the Democratic Party wants to put in things like $15 an hour minimum wage. I know that, you know, an unskilled person in, in our field isn't able to make $15 an hour and that I can get that labor elsewhere. And I can get that labor internationally at this point too, as well. So it, it makes it very hard to hire Americans in that situation. And so from, from me, it's not just necessarily what under Trump, I worry about what it's like when, if it's a democratic party that pushes really high, regulation and, and, and higher uh, wages and things like that, that that make it more difficult for me to to do my job um, and then you know i talked to a lot of business owners who have maybe a manufacturing business or you know a supplier of of products in the stores and you know the the amount of regulations that they faced under obama versus what they had be, before obama got into to office you know the, the story that i like to give um i'll plug her uh, christine Clint for for congress in, in our district in hillsborough county you know, her, her business was able to get into stores all over the country at a pretty minimal price, uh, you know, uh, and I'm not going to go into her personal finances, but but a pretty minimal price to, to entry level to get products into stores. But right now, because of some of the regulations that we have, ETA regulations, OSHA regulations, all of these other things um, that have been placed on business owners to get your product in a store, if you want to go through all of those things that you need to do, all the hoops you need to jump through, you're looking at like half a million dollars to bring a new product to market. And so like those, type of, those are the type of things that people don't realize are going on behind the scenes that are the reason why Apple and some of these other really big companies send all of their jobs overseas. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that Trump is doing behind the scenes that he's encouraging people to come back and, and do those things here and remove some of those regulations so that we can build those businesses in this country. Because that is ultimately the backbone.
0: So when it comes to things like the debate on Tuesday, When, you know, on the air, he, on the debate, you know, he didn't, um, what do you call it? Um, when it came, the, uh, white supremacists, um, condemn, that's the word. He didn't condemn them, um, during the debate or in the past when it comes to racial issues and how, you know, he said that he doesn't believe that there is anything such as like systemic racism. Um, how do you feel? I mean, do you? agree with him on that or do you disagree or is that like in your mind sort of like the business end of it sort of takes precedent over these sort of like domestic people issues?
3: My my issue uh, I have a lot of issue with the way that Trump answered that question. I really do. I it makes it makes it harder to come and defend him. It makes it harder to defend the Republican Party because people stand behind him when yeah. he says things like that. And when I when I hear um, like this, is, this was a layup, right? I mean, like, let's let's be honest, like when somebody <laughs> yeah. says, hey, can you can you condemn white supremacy? You just say yes. Right. Like, I, I mean, like, it's like what a, what an easy, easy question to answer and just say, you know, I do not support white supremacists. And, and you don't you don't put a caveat to that. Right. Like I equated it to when Jerry Sandusky, when they asked him, like, hey, do you like kids? And he was kind of like, well, like, I like, kids. you know, it's like, no, no, you just say no, right? Like, you just say no, like, you have to be able to answer that question. Um, and so it's really disappointing to me to hear that kind of stuff. Um, it's very hard for me to stand behind that type of rhetoric at all. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the first person that comes out and says, I, I condemn white supremacy. But my, my issue with it uh, is that you know Joe Biden doesn't face the same type of questioning about um, some of the violence and, and rhetoric that we have in this country on the left. Um, you know, again, I, I have faced way more anti-Semitic attacks from from people on the left than I have on, from people on the right in, in my time in, in dealing with politics at all. Uh, you know, the the left has a real problem uh, with with anti-Semitism, and they have a real problem with with violence in this country. But you know, we don't necessarily um, frame it in the same way that that. You know, so blatantly like like it is uh, done with the, with Trump in that last debate. So uh, again, I, I, I can't support him at all when he says things like that. And again, to me, it's it's an easy it's an easy no. Uh, white supremacy is bad.
0: So does that make you would that ever make you not vote for him? Like if he doubled down on that, you know, after all the comments and I, because for me as a black man. That would be hard for me, like if Biden said those sort of things now. And I know people talk about, you know, things he said in the past, um, you know, that he's maybe apologized for. said, you know, I've grown in my thinking because, you know, that was lots of years ago. Things were different. Um, But if he were saying those things now, I would have a really hard time as a black man saying, yes, I think that he has my best interest at heart. So is it one of those like all right I don't agree with him when it comes to that but I can overlook it and you know because he's doing all these other great things?
3: Well well let's look at it like like kind of like from what I was saying at the beginning of this conversation where it's rhetoric versus what's actually being done. And and there's this um idea on the left that Trump is this fascist raci- racist like you know second coming of Hitler who's going to come in and implement all of these, like, white supremacist policies in this country, right? But, you know, we've had him for four years, and, and none of those things have taken place, right? And and I look at, um, again, the, the policy that's actually been put in place. This is somebody who has let more black people out of jail than, than Obama has. He has been bringing, the, uh, you know, systemic change to our, you know, correctional facilities. We brought an entire Republican um crime reform bill as well uh, in a few years ago. I mean, these are things that we've done to reverse policies that were put in by Joe Biden in, number, in 94 and, and Kamala Harris. I mean, Kamala Harris has put more black people in jail than almost anybody in the country. And so, you know, they can say all the right things. They can say all of these, um, you know, really, you know, they can do great in interviews and tell you they're going to do all these things. But, but if you go back and look at the records, uh, you know, this is somebody who has actively worked with with people to to try and correct some of these issues, and you know, versus uh, you know Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who have you know throughout their forty seven or fifty years in in politics, have done nothing but exacerbate some of those systemic problems that we're talking about. So it, it takes looking at it at, in a kind of a nuanced way, and it you have to you have, again, it, it's very hard to ignore the rhetoric, but. You know, I, I have to ignore some of the rhetoric because, you know, part of it is just, you know, rallying that base to come out and vote for you. So and, you know, whether that's right or wrong, it's, it's, you know, it's up for debate.
2: Why do you think that there is such a mixed message then? Because, you know, why? Well, how, how do you think we got to where we are now, where, you know, there is uh, this view where it's like, OK, this is a racist, fascist uh, person in the office, as opposed to... Well, uh, look what the the policies say. Why? You know, how does that happen?
3: Well, it's it's framing by, by the media. I mean, this is somebody that, you know, this is it's kind of like when, um, you know, we, we're about to try and push another Supreme Court justice through. Right. And and, you know, the signs are already printed. The picket signs are already printed a week before they know who who the Supreme Court nominee is going to be. Right. They just know they're going to paint her as a picture of this person who is maybe anti-abortion and anti this and anti that right like they've already there's already a narrative that's being pushed by you know the the media arm of this country for you know at, at a very high level and it, and it happens to to frame people's psychology around these issues i mean and, and again you see in the digital space as well i mean it, they're very subtle things and again I, I actually do episodes about this on our podcast but there's a lot of things going on that that frame the American mind around how to think about certain people and certain personalities. And, and Donald Trump has again, been working against this for a very, very long time. I mean, uh, it's four or five years now of, of every single day, everybody in the media, in the country attacking you that it's going to make Americans that aren't paying very much attention to politics perceive you negatively.
0: Interesting. I think I'm, I'm starting to understand a little bit more about how, uh, you, as a, a Republican, can sort of say, "I support him, I understand it. I don't agree with it. Um, but mm-hmm. I think what I'm getting and and just from listening to you that it's sort of like a, a different placement on what you find important um sure. where I'm a gay black man and so a lot of the things that I see from the Republican Party and from Trump, mm-hmm. It makes me feel like I am not, I wouldn't be listened to and that I don't have the same value as Scott, a white man, Um, that we're not looked at as the same. But I understand that if you are coming from that other side, you have, you're looking at it from a different scope and you don't necessarily see it like that. But I'm curious, would you, do you understand how like me as a gay black man, I would be like, oh, gosh, like he said some pretty awful things. And, you know, I just saw an article the other day where the Trump administration is trying to um, tighten the um, gay adoptions. You know, like Mm -hmm. I have two friends that are trying to adopt a child, two gay men. So when I see that, to me, that takes precedence over everything else. Does that make sense? How people would be so upset? Yeah, and
3: and I, and I, I understand. Yeah, I understand that. But I, I, I'm guessing, and, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you probably were a supporter of Obama, you know, when he was coming into office. Is that I mean, I mean, fair, fair to assume? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when he was coming into office, he was against gay marriage. Right. Did, did that stop you from voting for him? You know, that that's kind of the thing we have to look at is, again, you know, you can say all the right things. You can come up and promise all this hope and change. But if your policy is against gay marriage, I mean, you know, you're, you're lying to the American people. So, you know, again, go back and look at what Trump said and what he's done. I mean, this is uh, we, we now uh, gay marriage is, is legal in many states. Um, you know, there hasn't been this, uh, you know, again, a, a, the way that things are framed around attacking that community. I believe, you know, right now, you know, gay people have more rights in this country than they ever have. Um, I, I, hopefully everybody agrees on that. And it's not something that I sense is going backwards. I, I sense it all still moving forward. And so I, I guess to me, like that it's, I understand where you're coming from. Let me, let me just say that. Like, I understand why people um, don't support the guy. I understand why people don't support the Republican Party. You know, my, my hope is that, you know, people jump out of their comfort zones. Like, I will go to Democratic events. Like, I will go to, you know, a, a Democratic, uh, you know, fundraiser. I'll go to a Democratic, um, you know, gala or something like that, right, to go see what the other side is doing. Um, I have a very hard time bringing people to our Tampa Bay Young Republicans clubs, right? But when they do, when I bring people uh, of color, when I bring people who may be of a different sexual orientation, they look around and they go, man, I didn't realize you guys were going to be like this. And it's because they don't, you know, a lot of people just won't go out of their comfort zone to go see like what the other side is doing.
2: That makes sense. No, I, I agree. And we've said that before on this podcast where it's like, we are so divided as a country right now that it's difficult to even like what we are doing right now is have a conversation about these differences and Mm -hmm. where they come from. And that's probably one of the biggest problems that we have because you do have people on both sides who have just decided that each other's side is like the devil basically. Right. And so I I don't like that because you get into that terminology and you're like, well, now we're talking in like definitives of like religion. So Mm -hmm. why, why are we just we're just going to label the other side this, that, or the other. And that's not leaving room for conversation. Right. So I, I get what you're saying. And I, I mean, I, like most of my family uh, belongs to the Republican party mm-hmm. and it's not like, mm. I'm like, well, my family, my entire extended family is the devil. Mm. Like I can't, yeah. I couldn't put myself in those shoes, even right. though I consider myself to be a liberal. So I get
3: yeah. it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is tough. Exactly what you're saying. It's, something where you get labeled a definitive answer. And when you start talking in things like the devil or like, how many times have you heard Trump referred to as Hitler? How many times have you referred to uh, him as a fascist? How many times have people referred to Republican Party as racist and misogynist? All this? I mean, like these are really strong words uh, and people don't want to be associated with them. So that's why you know people are fearful to even join a party. I mean, we have, there's a reason why we have the most political independence right now than we have in a long, long, long time. Um, it's because of the fact that the the language that is going around this thing is really strong. Like you're saying,
0: uh, last question for you, Jake, where do you get your news from? And because that's been one of my primary concerns from the very beginning Mm -hmm. of Trump running for office is this whole fake news and they're out to get me. Um, You know, I'm not a journalist, but friends that I know are in it, and I know that Mm -hmm. they just want to get down to, like, what people mean. Their job is to report what's happening. That's obviously different from a commentator, someone who's giving their opinion, and they're just speaking on Mm -hmm. what's happened in the news. So when you all say fake news, I don't trust the media, who do you trust? And in a perfect world, how would you see the media working?
3: So so this is the thing. I, I mean, I'll, I'll say a few things about this. I have a lot. I could go on for, for quite a while, um, but I, I haven't had cable news and I haven't had cable in general for about three or four years now. Let mm-hmm. me just start there. As most millennials, I've cable cable cut my cords. And, um, and a lot of people that are younger than me as well, um, they don't they don't watch TV. Nobody watches TV anymore. We, we get all of our information from the Internet um, and, and things like that. So I, I personally think that that is a better way of doing it. Let's just start there um you know for for example news is cut in such a way i did an interview with bay news 9 last week um you know how long do you think we've had a conversation probably for 30 minutes or so where people can actually hear my full ideas Mm -hmm. on on bay news 9 i think i roughly got four seconds of a you know of a sound bite Mm -hmm. And, and so if you're getting your news from from news for people that they're cut into four second increments you're not getting anything. It's the same way our debates. Like you're not getting anything from a two-minute conversation on health care. It's it's absolutely impossible. Um, that's why they need to go on Joe Rogan, right? Yeah. They need to go on Joe Rogan and talk for three hours and do a podcast, like like Trump was saying, like Joe Rogan saying. I mean, I get a lot of my news from podcasts. I think that there are some really good journalists out there that put together, um, you know, very factual podcasts. Like I will listen to the New York Times podcast. I will listen to Ben Shapiro's podcast. I will listen to um uh npr does a good job as well um there's there's a lot of like economic podcasts out there um i have i i'm gonna plug them they're a really small company um this there's an email uh company called the flip side and they literally every morning i get an email for whatever the biggest issue of the day is and they, sh- they give me snippets from all the journalists on the left and then all the journalists on the right and it's all condensed down into one email on the important issue and i look at that and i go okay what's actually happening and what are all these people framing around it? So, you know, in a perfect world, um, people would do their research. They'd go to multiple sources. But, you know, a lot of people don't have the time to do that. It's it's not beneficial to their life to to pull their self away from their job, to spend an hour or two a day researching in depth the issues that are going on politically. I mean, it's just it's just a lot to do and to try and find those real sources because you have to check absolutely everything. I mean, there's so many... Statistics that are incorrect. I mean, I see studies coming from inner. You know, this is something my professors talked about when we were in college. Some of the stuff coming out of colleges, you look at their studies are are, you know, they wouldn't get you a passing grade in school. But we're, we're then the you know a, a company will go and run an entire story on a poll and say, oh, this this poll was done correctly. Look at this, this, you know, Trump's leading or Trump's behind in the polls, and it's like it's based off of all of these really poorly done statistics. So it's a lot of research. It's really the, 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 work is really put on the individual, to be honest. And and you have to do a lot of research yourself, but it's very difficult because we live in an age of tons and tons of information and misinformation.
0: Interesting. Well, Jake, I have to say thank you for spending the time and sort of helping us understand um, a little bit more about what the other side is thinking and where they're coming from. Um, I disagree with a lot, but I'm able to listen because I wanted to know more. And I wanted to get a better understanding of why you believe the things that you believe. And I think I now understand it a little bit better. Like I said, I disagree, but I understand and we listen. And that's what we wanted from this. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us and good luck in in the uh, election.
3: Yeah, thank you, Scott. I mean, I'm I'm happy to come on and and have a discussion anytime you want to. I'm I'm happy to sit down and listen to you as well on on, on how you feel about all the issues.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Have yeah, a great day. We're, we're glad you could join us. All right.
3: All right. Thanks,
0: guys.
2: Scott, you didn't have much.
4: You no. Know, again, well, I sighed in the beginning of it I just like again, like pol- politics. Just it gives me this anxiety, especially mm-hmm. in now's climate because of how divided we are, and just, I wasn't gonna, I guess there's no need, because it would just keep dragging on, but, you know, I really do listen to what each other's sides say, and, like, a right. big thing I picked up on with Trump talking in the debate is, like, you know, the radical left, the, like, the crazy left, they're gonna do all these things, like, it's, it's both sides, and, like, it, he is feeding the division, and that's my biggest problem with it, because it's, like, yeah, like, this whole left and right talk, it's, like, you already are putting yourself in a sector. Like, you're already putting yourself in a little box, and that's how we're going to look at you because you're now in this box of whether it's left, right, conservative, liberal. But it's just I don't know where we go from there. And, you know, I was thinking when we talked about how we're stopping wars in other countries, we're bringing a war in our own country. Mm -hmm. Like, that kind of language is bringing the war here. So it's like, you know, for me, it's like almost the opposite. Like, you could have all the great policies in the world. That's awesome. You're doing all these great things. But if your people are fighting in the streets, the fuck does it matter? Right. You know, you're not going to have a country to put great policy in because you're not you're not going up on the podium that you were elected to go on and say, hey, this is how we lead as a country. This is how we advance. You know, it's like if you have all these great po- – like, that's what I want to see. I don't want to see your angry tweet. I want you to be like, hey, <clears throat> I'm the president of the United States. This is what we're working on. That should be what the – freaking announcements are and like all the news media is like it, that was a good point too because things are condensed down in certain points and mm-hmm. they're framed in a way especially certain times and certain sites to get the click that's what they want the yes click. that but, a,
2: a lot of them are just out for and they a lot of the media companies know their base much like the absolutely. candidates do and that's who they're catering to i absolutely. mean
0: but this is how i look at that sort of thing is you know we could never have this discussion on our radio station because you listening and me, we'd be like, ah, eh, well, that's kind of boring. I'm going to tune out. Yeah, yeah not, so I know I mean, and that's the thing is that, and this is why I, I don't know if there is a wrong. Maybe this is just the evolution of our society. But, you know, we have an attention span of about eight seconds. And so if Bay News 9 had, you know, Jake on and he was going on for three minutes, well, they're going to lose... Viewers, They're going to yeah. lose money, and that's how they keep the lights on. So it's like, how do you balance that? That's
2: the problem that you we know?
0: have. Um, I'd love to be able to have more serious discussions on our show, but traditionally we can see through ratings yeah. literally you listening, and not saying you particularly, but ratings go down. You tune to another station, or you put in some music, and you don't listen. Um What I found most interesting is the the place of importance on different issues. Yeah. Like, I could not vote for someone who didn't like gay people or the things that Trump has said about gays or blacks. For me, that's very personal. Um, and so when he said the thing about Obama, like, at that time, nobody could say gay marriage. Like, that was a thing. And, like, we as gays and liberals knew... Well, once he gets a second term, you can do more.
4: And yeah. as soon as
0: he got that second term, it happened. You he know, talks about
4: that in his book, right, as he was senator. He's like, I couldn't do this at that right. time. I can't mm-hmm. bring this stuff up. It's not the right timing for it.
0: Right. Politically, you have to sort of lay it out there. And to me, there's a difference between, you know, I have gay people in my cabinet. I, you know, uh, lit up the White House in, you know, pride colors. But there's a plan. Watch it and see. That's different from what we hear from the current administration. So to me, I understand where he's coming from. I disagree because it's sort of from what I gathered, and this is personal, and this, like I said, not trying to change anyone's mind. But for me, it just seems like you're putting an importance on other things outside of the value of life.
4: Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel.
2: I think it depends on what that life means to you, right, so obviously, as a gay black man, your life is your life is going to be impacted by those social issues right when it comes to equality, mm-hmm. equity yeah. you know all of that mm-hmm. so for someone, and this could, and I'm not saying necessarily all white people because it could be anybody because obviously there are black Republicans that exist. Mm -hmm. So if you are a Republican and the reason that you are that way is because let's say like you, I'm going to just make up a story. So like, let's say you have this business Mm -hmm. and you've seen your business grow and your family thrive and you're, you know, um, you're able to provide jobs for more people and like, because from From what I understood, you know, Jake's talking about how his small business and small businesses Mm -hmm. have been, have seen an easier time growing the economy under a Republican plan. Right. Um, And that may have nothing to do with Donald Trump per se, but in a Republican landscape, let's say, like, that's your main goal because Mm. you're not, you know, maybe you're not gay or if you are black, you feel somehow supported. And so you're like, for me, my livelihood, my family, my ability to provide, that's impacted. So I'm seeing the divide come into what's important to individuals. Right. And so I'm, I don't fault those people for if they're like, this is what's most important to me and I want to make sure my kids go to college and I have to make sure that my business is successful and, you know, X, Y, Z, then I understand. I feel, for me as an empathic person, that when someone like a Miguel, um, you know, feels unsafe,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that's where I say something is not right, mm-hmm. and I can't. my My soul and my spirit isn't gonna feel good about that. But then I don't own a small business, right? So I I literally don't see it from that small business owner point of view. Much like they don't see it from my point of view,
0: right? No, that makes sense.
2: That's the divide.
0: Right. I guess that's what it comes down to. And the... To me, it just feels like a disconnect almost, like what he was talking about. It just felt like he was talking about a different America than what I experienced. And so that's why there were a couple times where my natural brain wanted to be like... "Mm -hmm." I don't believe that's true, but I'm like, no, this isn't a debate. I just want to hear, you know, how, what you think so I can understand. And it just looks like we are living in two totally different existences.
2: I I believe that's true.
0: And I don't know if that was always the case. I mean, it was, I mean, if we're going back to, you know, back in the fifties where between like, blacks and and whites and you know how you could be successful right i mean there were two different americas right literally and so i guess there's just to me it always just it it almost he didn't say it i'm not putting that on him but for me it just feels like a i don't care like my business is more important than how you feel as a minority as a marginalized person thr- twice over my business matters more than you. Hmm. That's what I got.
2: I I think that's probably true across the board, right?
0: Right. Like, I don't want your business to suffer. Like, no. hey, I could lose this job today and want to come work for your internet company and I want to get paid. But like when he talked about the businesses and like with the um, minimum wage, and in my mind, I'm thinking, but don't you want those people that do work for you to like, have money and be able to live.
2: Right. But I don't kn- see. This is where I have to, like, take myself out of that conversation. Right. Because I've never run a business and I don't know what it's like. Like, we've been trying to get Scott full time. Right. For like five, years now. Right. So, like, I and, and for me, it's like, just fucking make him full time already. Right. What is the hold up? Right. I'm, however, not the one that's doing the books. Right. So I don't understand what that must be like.
0: But at the same time, though, whenever we get—because in our contracts, we get ratings bonuses. Right. And Scott doesn't have a contract, but when we get ratings bonus, we take our money that contractually is ours. Yes. It's not Scott's. Yeah. But because we want to be fair and you contribute, we want you to feel a part of the success. We give you part of the money that is ours. And so to me, like, I'm not a business owner. My life, my livelihood does not depend upon those bonuses. But that's money that could go towards bills and other stuff. Mm-hmm. But I choose to give it to you because I want you to know that I appreciate you and that I want you to live a successful life. And so I don't understand. It's just a difference of values. I, like.
2: And I think it's a difference in upbringing. It's a difference. And the, may, maybe... The reason that, you know, we here, you know, in our 20s and 30s are struggling with these issues is because things were so much more deeply divided in our parents and grandparents generation Mm -hmm. that they weren't even looking at these type of issues yet. Like they were just looking at, I mean, in our grandparents generation, like African-Americans being equal to white people and being able to hold the same type of jobs right like that was a whole like we couldn't have even had this kind so i'm wondering if that's why we are still grappling with that two different americas Mm. and where this like systemic thing comes from where it's like yes on the surface we're all on equal footing right now but below the surface, we're not, right. because so for like generations, maybe white families got to build up, you know, like slowly through the. And I'm not saying all white families, obviously. I'm just saying in the in the broad broad brush stroke, right? Like white family families probably were able to start building a little bit of, uh, you know, capital or whatever for longer than the average black family right and so that's why there's like a disparity even though it looks on the surface like it's equal right it's just hard because i feel like to get there like how long have we been talking about this like Mm -hmm. so i feel like i'm fucking unplugging the matrix right now and i'm just (laughs) like okay 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 most people, like Jake said, and like I said in last week's podcast, or uh, two days ago's podcast, mm-hmm. most people don't want to do this work.
0: Right.
4: Yeah.
2: They don't. They don't want right. to look at the different, you know, viewpoints and media companies and come see it from your angle, Miguel, because they're too worried about their own shit. Right. Or like someone on your side doesn't want to see it from this person's side of you because rightfully so, they're worried about their own shit. Right. It is a nation of individuals who are worried about their own shit. mm I don't know how to. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, I guess I'm a bleeding heart liberal that if I had a business, I would be willing to take those hits, knowing that in the big scheme, that if I'm paying you this $15 minimum wage, that could possibly be it. Even though right now in this moment, I'm taking a hit and I've got to figure stuff out you're probably going to work at my company longer right. and have a better life and feel ownership of no, the company because I'm paying you more. And so that's why when I hear what Jake said about that, I'm like.
2: so, But that at that point then it becomes, and this I think is like basic economics. Mm-hmm. It's quantity over quality. Mm. So you're able to impl- employ more people for less mm. one way. Right. Or you can employ fewer people for more money right. the other way.
0: Right. And you're making less.
2: And you're making less. Right. It's, that's, I think, like, I, I remember learning that in economics. So, mm-hmm. like, you if you're looking at a business model, maybe does it make financial sense to do it this way? Yes. But does it make humanity sense to do it this way? Yes.
4: But also, like, there's been a couple podcasts I just listened to, like, some of the top businesses in our country. I'm talking, like, Netflix. I'm talking Google. Like they do the opposite where they're like, I'm going to pay you like Netflix when they have somebody that's really like, they will pay you so much effing money right. instead of hiring 10 other people that aren't as good. So right. It's like, it's like that opposite effect where it's like, if I'm going to pay you more, you have to be like good enough to hit the job and constantly raise the bar instead of, you know, hiring three people at $10 now, I'm going to hire you at 15 right? and hope for that better income. But or, then
2: what about the other two that would have got jobs at Netflix?
4: They wouldn't have got the job.
2: Right. Where do they go?
4: They get another job. Or you, uh, you uh, up your What if there
2: aren't any more jobs?
4: That well, that's a whole other discussion on that's our what I'm saying.
2: Like, that's, and that's why these are so complex, these issues, because I don't have the answer to that question, just like you don't.
4: Well, I mean, because I
0: think we're getting into the weeds of, like, political policy. I feel like at the end of the day, what it comes down to is the reason why Donald Trump was able to make a rise in the Republican Party is because of where those values are and they're different from ours. And that's what it comes down to is that they place their values here and we place it over there and there is a difference. What makes it so crappy is that I wish I would have asked him this. Like, is there anyone else that could bring people together but still represent what they want? Mm Mm-hmm. I've
2: always been curious about that.
0: Like, there's a better vehicle for their message than that. And I guess at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is that you are really willing to overlook a lot of downfalls that, like, literally, like Joe Biden, if he's elected president outside of the extreme racist, he's going to try to bring us together. Donald Trump has not. But for them, they don't care.
2: It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's like they can ignore that.
0: Right. They're like, whatever, that's cool, but piece of the Middle East. And businesses are doing better, but everything else is falling apart. And that's obviously painting it from like a liberal point of view, and they'd probably frame it a different way.
2: Right. Yes.
0: But that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And they just I, call a snowflakes. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, so,
2: yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, this, this snowflake thing came from these base facts of, you know, we're over here working and y'all are crying about wanting, you know, people to care about each other. Right. And I'm like, y- yes, I do want people to care
4: about each other. Yeah, like, we, at the end of the day, like, this is your life. You should probably care about your neighbor. Uh, I, yeah, I, have I don't know. Time I, with that, but.
0: I don't know if we made any difference or if we helped at no, all or we think made it, it worse. Was, it was but. to
2: make a difference. I think it was to have this open conversation needed one, and yeah. to get some perspective.
0: Right. Just to understand. I don't know. You seem fired up.
4: I... uh, You want people to care. I do. You know, it's funny. It's interesting with you, too, because, like, it it does go down to your background because I always think about that anytime, like, you cook me dinner or, like, you give me, like, a piece of that bonus. It's, like, because you would have, like, that's what you appreciated when you were going through the weeds where I'm at right now. It's, like, you had that. You know what it's like. So let me give back. And same if you had a business, you would be like, okay, like I did the grunt work. I know exactly how that feels. Let me help you like somebody helped me. Right. right.
2: But a lot of people are like, especially we know them in this business yeah. that are like, well, I went through it hard. So now it's your turn. Right. Yeah. And so that's just not the way we operate.
0: No. Um. Like I want you to work hard and I challenge you and, you know, it's not like it's just handed to you, but like. If you're willing to put in the work, like if you showed up every day late and, you know, you didn't have stuff that needed to be done, you wouldn't still be with us two and a half years later. Like, no, I just I, wouldn't I, accept that.
2: Right. But I don't know. I know. It's, I don't know. It's just it. I have been really like, I don't want to say stressed out, except is an overused phrase, but it's just been weighing on me so heavy these past few days no. since the debate really yeah. about. Values, Right. And, you know, where you put them and how and so much of it is from your upbringing. Right. I think. Yeah. Which is weird because, like, my family actually uh, was always sort of Democratic leaning. Like, my immediate family. And now they're all conservative leaning. And I don't know. At, at one point it switched. And I'm still over here holding, like, the liberal flag. And they're all <laughs> like, what are you doing over there? I'm like... Y'all taught me good values back in the day. Like, right. where are you? What happened? And this is where it and the and and um, once feelings get involved,
1: mm-hmm.
2: then it becomes hard to have a conversation and it becomes more of a shouting match, like we saw on the debate. And it right. just is so disheartening.
0: Well, and I totally see it. I mean, I've said this before where you know, once you start making more money, and once we started making more money, I totally get how you're like. Oh, my God, my taxes went from, you know, 80 bucks, 100 bucks, 300 bucks a paycheck to a lot more. (laughs) And you're like, that's my money. I worked hard for this and you want to expand the government. But because of my upbringing, if it weren't for the help that I received from people and if it weren't for people being like, hey, let me I know you didn't have an equal footing like I did. To let me help you. Yeah. I would not be here.
2: I've had to take advantage of government programs. Mm-hmm. I was sitting up in the WIC office. hmm Six years ago, waiting to get my coupons. I get it. Right. Maybe if you haven't experienced that, you just cannot wrap your head around it.
0: Yeah, I guess. Hmm. All right. Well, there you go. I don't know what this did, but hopefully it did something. Holly, what's your social media?
4: Radio Holly. Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Scott. That's Scott Tavlin. S-C-O-T-T-T-A-V-L-I-N.
0: Miguel Fuller. M-I-G-U-E-L-F-U-L-L-E-R. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. And I don't know why I feel bad after this. I thought I was going to have a better understanding. I didn't know how I was going to feel walking away. I guess what it is, is I feel a little hopeless.
4: Yeah, yeah, okay. I
0: guess that's what it is, is that after listening to him and I was like... Why hopeless? Because I feel like there will never be an understanding. A, uh... I don't know. I gotta think about it. I gotta think about it. I gotta think about it. We're already over an hour, so we got to go. Oh, Jesus. All right, bye.
3: Catch up up with the previous episodes of the Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast
1: from Hot 101.5.
3: Just hit up the Hot 101.5 app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Search
1: Miguel and Holly Uncensored. Uncensored.